Greetings and welcome to Wait Stories. In this episode, we talk to Gemma Outen, renowned actor and patron and charity manager of Seed Eating Disorders Support Service. We are extremely grateful to talk to Gemma about her own story of an eating disorder and her journey of recovery. We discuss symptoms and triggers, OCD, mental health, promoting early intervention and highlighting how the range of support services SEED offer from a group of people with lived experience can provide support to both sufferers and loved ones caring for those suffering to help the person and not the eating disorder. A gentle warning. This podcast discusses issues with weight that some listeners may find difficult. This podcast aims to bring connection and share stories, but is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. If you feel impacted by any of the issues discussed, we recommend reaching out for help from trained professionals. Please see support resources and links on the Weight Stories page at herproductions.co.uk including support links from the Great Seed Eating Disorders Support Service and the Be Real National Campaign. Thank you so much for listening and joining us as we seek to build a safe space. We hope you enjoy. Hello and thank you for being here. This is a really important part of this audio series where we get to speak to obviously yourself but also hear more about Seed um, which we really highly recommend. It's a great charity. Um, and we just wondered if we could have some background of the charity seed and also how it was formed and why. Um, where to start? <laughs> um, I mean, I think the, the, the strange thing for me is like, I mean, in context, yesterday was the year, a year anniversary, wasn't it, of, of lockdown. Oh. And if you just said to me, you know, I'm going to be doing like interviews as manager of Seed a year on. I'd have gone, yeah, right. And yeah, it's happened. Um, but I couldn't be prouder, to be honest, because it feels like it's been a real full circle journey. You know, Seed was co-founded by my parents 21 years ago because they were fighting for my life. You know, so to now be at the the steering head of it is kind of you know a lot, a lot of my friends say you know you're taking on too much like don't you want to get away from it and it's like well no because it's part of like my recovery I think you know it's it's my journey the eating disorder although it has been horrendous horrific at times and you know nearly cost me my life at least four times I don't want to change that narrative because it's made me who I am today and I think that's what Seed is about for me. It's about promoting hope and, you know, showing that people don't need to just fight and survive. They can thrive and live their lives and that recovery is possible. So I guess, you know, my, my journey started at the age of 10, really, when I, you know, everything was fine. I was really happy and a bit of a, a, a tomboy definitely looked like dumb and dumber jack um jim carrey with my bowler hat haircut and <laughs> often used to get called jim rather than jim 
<laughs> but I loved it, you know, like I was a whole lass lacking out, as we say in whole lacking out with the lads, playing Tig, Alelia, Block, showing my age now. Um, but then like everything felt like it changed overnight when I got my hair cut into a more girly style. Uh, I remember asking mum if I could go to school in a little gingham dress. And I know it sounds weird, but as my puberty and development as a young woman began, that's when the green-eyed monster came out with a lot of the peer groups and the girls. And that's when it felt like everything changed overnight. And I just thought it was my fault. You know, I, I felt I, like, what have I done? What have I said? What have I done wrong? But of course I hadn't done anything wrong. But how do you articulate that at the age of 10? How do you deal with that when when people are hurting you physically, but they're hurting you with words and emotionally? You know, how do you sort of go, I feel lost, I feel scared, I feel alone, but I can't tell you exactly why. Mm. And that's when the eating disorder sort of reared its ugly head and was kind of like hey I'll help and obviously in hindsight it very much didn't but it gave me that sense of I couldn't control what people were saying or doing but I could control something and that something was what went inside me and actually that something also helped me disappear you know and the smaller I was the safer I felt which is really sad you know when you say it out loud now at 36, you know, but at, at, at 10 years old, I wanted to disappear. Um, and thus that became the narrative of my life. Um, you know, for 13 years. Um, and sadly, because I didn't get the help that I needed early on, the doctor turned me away and said that I wasn't low enough in weight wow. to have a problem. They getting me back from the grips of an eating disorder was a hundred times, a million times harder than what it could have been if early intervention would have been prioritised. And within a year after that initial doctor's appointment, I was put into a mental health, uh, a psychiatric unit, adolescent unit, and told if I didn't eat or drink within 24 hours, I'd be dead. And Sadly, that didn't that didn't change really for I think it happened again at 14, at 17, I went to take my own life. And it happened again when I was 18 when I had a heart attack. Um, I'm pretty sure there was another episode, shall we call it, in inverted commas, where I didn't get the help that I needed and you know, I nearly died because of it. And mm -hmm. I don't, I feel like I'm saying this quite trivial and, I, and I'm not, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but it's the reason Seed was co-founded by my parents, because whilst I was fighting for my life, they were the ones fighting for me and yet no one was supporting them. So mum being mum, <laughs> um, Marge Hilton, um, <laughs> don't mess. <laughs> she decided she wanted to make a change and dad didn't really have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, typical, typical Northern woman. No, yeah. we're doing this. Um, and God bless them. They, they started to um, put newsletters through people's doors or little flyers. Cause back then, you know, I don't even think, I think we had a, 
oh, I don't know how old you are. Um, but like back then we had that computer with like the green, the green yeah. typing on. Oh my god. Oh so god, you know, yeah. like none of that, you know, like the print the printed paper. I mean, people listening to this be like, what are you talking about? But the printed paper with all the lines. Um you know, so there wasn't like the, the Google and tech savviness. So they literally just sort of like hand wrote, you know, these little flyers and, and started posting them through the doors saying, we're going to start running a support group. If you need help, we're here. They then got a, a phone line installed in our living room, which is still there to this day. Mm. And within a year became a registered charity. And we've now been going 21 years and that that charity is SEED, Support and Empathy for People with Eating Disorders, mm. you know, for carers and for sufferers because the help and support that we needed as a family to get through this mm. just, just wasn't there. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to think that, you know, seed blossoming, growing flowers, and I always say you can grow flowers where debt used to be, and I feel like that's what seed encompasses, really. Yeah. No, I mean, and as I said to you before we we started that, I've I've been I've been amazed by all the resources you've got on there, um, and just the name itself as well. And it's very, I love that it's like you say, it's targeted for, for people who are sufferers, but also carers as well, because of, like you say, your mum and dad, like they they didn't they didn't have the support, no. and that's what's what's and it's it's interesting because I was once we've been talking to people, I think we've all probably noticed friends or family members that we probably have seen signs, but we, we don't know what to do or what to say. And the probably needs, I think needs to be more awareness for everyone as well as sufferers to understand what's going on for them. But um, for everyone just to have more awareness to go, well, what, what do I do if my friends showing these signs, how yeah. can I help them? Like, where do I go? I mean, the, the, the thing that I pride myself on with seed and what ultimately saved my life you know because when the moment came for me that I I I, I wanted to get better mm-hmm. was when you know mum and dad stepped in and started to talk to me about me as a person mm-hmm. and that's what we at Seed are about we treat the person not the eating disorder so when it comes to we do a workshop called Walking on Eggshells, which is exactly about how do how does a loved one support somebody who's suffering because it is like a war zone, you know, and you are constantly walking on eggshells because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to do the wrong thing. But it's integral to bringing that person back and starting the journey of recovery. If you get it right, mm. and we didn't get it right, oh, my God. The amount of times that plates have been smashed with mum and me, mum and I. I mean, Dad, bless him, he used to. to I, think, I think he just used to go out and take the dog for a walk. <laughs> I'd <love> a walk. <laughs> but you know, like mum and I would have screaming matches. You mm. know, but it, and but until she educated herself and started to learn how to speak to me, and God love her, it, it made such a difference because it's about the support and empathy. And one thing that we always say is to challenge is not helpful like because the eating disorder loves that you know the eating disorder will oh god there were so many times where I actually said to my mum I hate you and I didn't hate her Mm. but my eating disorder was so angry at her because she was challenging whereas there's a way that you can challenge but in a more supportive way by saying Gem I'm worried 
something's going on. I can tell you don't feel good today. What is it? Rather than, well, I've noticed you're not eating and why? And you're going to sit down there and you're going to eat that sandwich and you're not leaving this table until you do so. You yes. Know, it's, it, it sounds so simple. No. It's so effective, you know? And yeah, even with friends and one of the things that like with an eating disorder is the person suffering feels so ashamed and so alone. And that is why it can be such a secretive illness. Yeah. And to try and coax that out of somebody is very difficult. And the way to do it is by, I don't want to say normalizing it because it's, it's, it's not an, it's not a normal thing we're going through and that's why we call it a mental health illness however I mean normalize it in the sense that eating disorders are happening get used to it yeah and it's and it's part of our culture at the moment it's part of our society and it's an ever-growing increasing mental health illness that is taking lives so we can't ignore it but what I mean by having the discussion to normalize it is to make sure that people realize that they don't have to be ashamed because as soon as they start talking, that's when we stop giving the eating disorder the power. Yeah. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely makes sense. And and because I, I think, um, like you say, I think what is going on, I guess, like the people caring for that person, they've got their emotions. So they're reacting in because they don't have that under, awareness or that understanding even. Yeah. And it's like, well, because they can do something that they think, well, shouldn't you just do this? Because this is how it works for me. And they're not understanding that it's not the same mindset. And I find it really, because I, I don't, I, I wonder if you mind me asking, because uh, I was diagnosed with OCD last year. And right. I've, when I've been talking to people with um with with eating disorders and like as you say it's a mental health illness as well um obviously I, I don't know if there is a relation with this control because I think like is that the, the start of all mental health illness where there's like for me I felt unsafe in in my flat and I started checking yeah. things and it got out of control and it went honestly I couldn't even leave the house for half an hour because I was so scared to check the doors yeah. and things um and it got well worse than that but like uh, people that I've spoken to with the eating disorders it's like something might have changed in their life and that's one part that they can control and you describe that so well as well like at the age of 10 mm. it was a, a part of control I mean and that's what I think people who aren't there don't seem to understand is that do, is, does that yeah do yeah that or is that not really how it no massively massively like you say I mean we as human beings how do we live there's, there's fundamentals you eat yeah. you sleep you drink you know like those those are the so so how can from the outside looking in how can anybody understand why somebody would choose but it's not a choice yeah but why somebody would do that you know why would they use one of the fundamental things that we need to live to hurt themselves but to your point around the OCD there are so many crossovers I had OCD when I was going through the eating disorder as well because yeah. because it is something that you can you can physically do and I always say that pain words that hurt us can push us to stay silent but pain is always expressed so whether it's words or surroundings or environment or covid god forbid you know we we had no control over this no one thing that we can do and the mind the mind is very clever at doing it is going 
okay, let me give you something else. And it ain't going to be helpful, but it's a way. Yeah. And, and until we're in it, sometimes, like you say, it, it starts off with a, a few light checks and then it goes on to something else and then it becomes something else. And it absolutely, like, if you want to try and get people to, to understand it, food is the symptom it's not the cause yeah yeah so it's and it's like like what you're saying there is a massive crossover with a lot of these these mental health illnesses because they're all displaying something but fundamentally it's what's going on internally in the mind and it's the foundations and this is why like what you know what what you're doing is is so important because mental health is a thing yeah right and, and the sooner people realize that and and the sooner that we get and gps are starting to open it like we would we did some training with gps just two weeks ago because they're now seeing that they need to have the tools to be able to see what a mental health illness is when you can't see it yes you yeah know? but still treat it as important as a diagnosis of something physical you know and that's you know that's that's where like my dad's got prostate cancer right and prostate cancer is they call it the silent killer because unless you get a test many people there's there's hardly any symptoms like the reason my dad got a test and thank god he did he was stage three aggressive and and you know we thought we were going to lose him you know but literally a week later and he would have gone I mean, we were fortunate that we got the treatment we needed. But the point of me telling that story is they call that the silent killer and it gets so much attention and rightly so. Mm. But mental health is a silent killer. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with eating disorders, Mm. because anorexia only presents 10% of those with eating disorders. The rest have bulimia. And there's crossovers, there's there's anorexia binge eating type, there's purging, there's overeating, there's, you know, all sorts, disordered eating, you know, mm. other eating disorders not yet specified or whatever the new acronym is for it. There are so many. And a lot of them don't present themselves with a low BMI, which is why these discussions are so important because waiting for the weight to change isn't going to change what's already there. absolutely like you getting told by the gp oh well you're not low enough weight yet so we can't do it when you're on death door thanks yeah like and and i noticed when i was obviously looking at all the work that you do how you really promote that early intervention is something that you're obviously very passionate about and i completely agree because relating with the ocd if i had just stopped checking early on if i understood what was going on it wouldn't have spiraled into the the really dark place that i got into because yeah. I wouldn't stop it. I just let it carry on and it gets worse and worse. So I guess, like you say, like, I love that you promote this early intervention. Um, but it does, how do we, how do we do that? I guess, is it educating schools? Is it educating GPs like you're doing now? Well, I mean, education is, is key and conversation. And at the moment, and, I, and I'm not going to get political, but you and I know, and anybody, any listener knows, there are real gaps in the mental health services mm. within the UK at the moment. And, and, and I'm not pointing fingers, right? Yeah. Because that's not helpful. We, we know it's a fact. But one thing we can do as a voluntary sector is offer support and conversation and education. And one of the things that we pride ourselves on 
at Seed is that we've got a, a resource um, that Mum and I created. Mum, Dad, and I created. We started to three years ago around early intervention because we were like, there were so many teachers coming to us from school saying we feel like we've got students in our school representing eating disorders, but we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were just ignoring it because they were so scared of saying the wrong thing. And a lot of these kids didn't even know what it was. And a lot of these teachers didn't even know how to, where to go, how to signpost. So we created the Eating Disorders Educational Toolkit, which is a three lesson plan of solid sort of videos. And then a three lesson plan of consolidation lessons. So kids can do their own campaigns and they can create their own t-shirts. Like the one that I love is where they create a t-shirt to give to somebody to give to a friend to, to say you are important or this is a flower and I want like it's just lovely yeah but the key message of it all is to create a toolkit that teaches the teacher how to teach responsibly and confidently about body image eating disorders and well-being so that these kids are educated and it's not a trigger and that's one thing that is asked to me over and over again well don't you yeah. think that by teaching the kids about eating disorders it's a trigger newsflash if it's going to happen it's going to happen and it's probably already happening anyway so let's get in there early so that's that's what the educational toolkit is and at the moment it's been very hard because of lockdown to get this toolkit out there but we have it and it's now in 60 schools around the country which is amazing um and on our website there's a free uh, resource that schools can download as well even if they don't want to purchase the toolkit you know for us as a charity going to be really honest we're struggling and um, we nearly closed last year because of covid and um, you know we're not we're, we're punching way above our weight you know like we're we're a huge charity in terms of outreach and, and people who know us and are aware of us but in terms of like the pot of resource we've got it's teeny tiny you know but the the idea of, of the toolkit was that schools could subscribe and pay pay us as a charity to have that model but it's not just about money and that's why we created the the free resource you know because we know that funding is difficult at the moment and we still want to help so that's that's something that we're actively doing and and you know now I'm manager I got asked to be manager god seven months ago I'm quite sure I've got Grey hairs coming through now. No, <laughs> we're about to edit. in the middle of a global pandemic, Gemma. And I was like, yes, why not? Hello, let's do this. Oh god. <laughs> um, oh, bless you. But you know, my my plans are to sort of expand that toolkit to create community toolkits. You know, for adults to looking at working on a recovery after the after a recovery after the recovery program, because mm. there is a legacy. Uh, there is a legacy of pain you know and I'm going yeah. through it now I'm not gonna lie like lockdown being back in one room on my own all right I've got my dog which is amazing yeah but I spent 13 years institutionalized and it brings up a lot yeah and you start thinking like you say during lockdown you developed an OCD well yeah my anxiety went bloody through the roof yeah you know and you know you start to sort of think about the stuff that you went through and that's why it's so important that we look at the recovery after the recovery because of what the eating disorder puts a person through you know and those are plans that I want to sort of put in place to be able to deliver workshops and resources so 
I'm so proud of like the support that we give. I feel like it's personable, it's lived experience, it's hands-on, you know, and, and to say there's like a team of five of us with our volu volunteers, like the work that we do, I just think, you know, I'm so proud and, you know, the testimonials that we get to say that we've saved lives and made a difference and that's that's what it's about, you know, making sure that that we can bridge that gap, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's so important. I think uh, for me, it was very much about educating yourself. And that's what you're offering at Seeds so well. Like, like I say, again, like you've got that facility on there, please. If anyone's listening to this and they, they even are thinking, am I struggling at the moment? Am I okay? If you look at the Seed website, there's that, that uh, you, and there's the resources and tools and help. And you can actually say, look, do I have an eating disorder? You can like, you've got questions that you can ask yourself. And, yeah that's I think even um having that awareness and I guess like you said there's so many other it's not just anorexia it's not just bulimia but the, like disordered eating has come up with the people that I've talked about and I guess that's even if it's not like like it's early we're talking about early intervention if your disordered eating is probably something that's being talked about more now which is yeah. I think really important because our relationship with food isn't is is totally so weird in the in, in oh, media it's just I feel like we've all become so disconnected as a society as to what food is about everything seems to be about numbers at the moment and mm. to, to your point that's why I've, we started doing a cooking show ah. because we want to bring back the joy of food to remind people what it's there for because all we see at the moment is fasting apps and here's what I eat in a day on my TikTok. And, and like, yeah, food is about enjoyment. It's about nourishment. It's about kindness. It's about celebration. It's about just having fun, you know? Mm. So we're working with um, Jane Devonshire, who won MasterChef two, three years ago now. And it's called the Falling Love with Food Again show. And Jane on Zoom and me on Zoom, she teaches how, how to cook um which is hilarious um, and proper carnage but it's to that point of going we have become so disconnected about what our body and and minds do and are therefore to live not yeah. to to be walking around going here's me living but here's a selfie to show you that I am you know, yeah. like just yesterday, I did an interview for BBC News uh, website because of the rise in um, these apps to distort your body and to change oh, God, your yeah. features. And, you know, and, and to your point, disorder, disordered, disordered eating, distorted body image, all of that, everything is distorted. Yeah. It's like, and what we want to try and do is talk about it, like you say, acknowledge it before that becomes something that is painful and potentially could lose lives and sometimes that one of the saddest things that my dad said about our journey was that it was like his daughter was dead behind the eyes and she was behind prison bars and he couldn't get hold of her oh, you know really like so I was yeah. existing yeah and, and it's it's about making sure that it's not just about 
the mortality of it and and and, and of course that's important you know one in five of those suffering with an eating disorder will die as a direct result of the eating disorder or by taking their own life. But also there's between 1.4 million and 3.6 million in the UK alone who have an eating disorder or disordered eating and are just existing. And that is for me as heartbreaking as the mortality stuff as well, because it's like my dad said, you know, it's like they're dead behind the eyes. And you know, in a different way, how all-consuming that those thoughts can be, like with, with the OCD, 24-7. And it's like, how do I escape from this? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and if we can save people that pain by oh, conversations, then at, at least we're getting somewhere, you know. But that's what you do so well as well, because I think for me, when I was in that worst place of, of, of the OCD, was like having hope was so important to me. I needed to hear like, like the support groups, like you say, like that was such an amazing resource, even with lockdown, they did these telephone OCD um, support groups that were great and yes. hearing, oh, there's other people going through that. And some people had were in their recovery stage, some people were in a really crisis stage, but it didn't actually matter. And, and that's what I hope, obviously, we've just mentioned people bring this up, but it's something because I've, I hope you don't mind me asking because I don't, mine is OCD, um, uh, but um, I guess I've worried at times about triggering people because I'm like, oh, I don't understand, am I triggering people by talking about it? And I keep trying to come back to OCD. Well, no, because that was really helpful for me. And like you say, schools have said it to you. I mean, yeah. it, is it triggering to talk about things? No, no, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite. It's important. It's yeah. so important. Like. If, if something is there, it's there. Yeah. You know, and by and by talking about it, we're shedding light on it and we're acknowledging it and that is brave. By not talking, that person is alone, scared, hasn't got a clue what's going on, feels so lost. And then mm. God knows where that, that leads. And, and sadly, we know where that can lead. So absolutely not. No, no, talking about anything is not a trigger and, and I often get asked not so much these days because I think I've, I've shot down journalists enough over the years because it drives me mad <laughs> but like do you think that magazines and um you know images um made you anorexic and I'm like one that is so trivializing the, the, the subject no I was reading Beano and Dandy when I was 10 years old and I, I definitely didn't look at Dandy and want to grow a beard you know like yeah it's not about the, the, the trigger there's a difference with trigger isn't there there's, there's the trigger that makes it present itself there's that, that that's the pain yeah but talking about it isn't the trigger absolutely you know? yes that's talking your pain, about that's it your that's my trigger was the pain that I was in I was in this awful pain but by um, talking to somebody else like I'm talking to you now I'm not going to go and switch on the light 20 times like because that's not a trigger no <laughs> like, it just, if it, it, it was there it's, in, it's within me by talking about it, if I was going through that now and I'd just done that before this call I'd be going oh my god you do the same thank, thank god 
you know that's the difference isn't it absolutely yeah I remember I remember the first time because I didn't know what was going on for me at all I was like I don't understand I'm in this constant like thinking something bad's gonna happen that's anxiety isn't it I guess but like so bad's gonna happen to me if I don't like wear the right trousers or I don't you know such stuff that I knew and the thing is you can tell yourself you're like I know this isn't this isn't logical but I can't help this is what my mind's telling me but only by going to therapy only by talking to other people who had OCD did I go oh that's what my brain's doing it's not working properly at the moment or it's like like you said it's chosen this to be its safety yeah. thing it's it's got confused on the way that this is how it feels safe or and I, yeah and I think that's why it's so important to to talk about it so that it becomes on the same level as the investment that gets put into medical and and physical health because if if you break an like say if you break your arm and you go to the doctor the doctor or the hospital you will have to have it clicked back into place and you will get your cast put in but then you will have to adapt whilst you've got that arm in cast to do things in a different way and then once the arm is healed you then have to go through physio and adapt to using that hand and making it strong again that arm and making it strong again it's the same with your brain with your mental health mm. if there's a part of your mind and brain that isn't thinking in the right way and it's detrimental to your health you have to go and speak to somebody and address it and mm. look at the toolkit within you to be able to go right how do I start using my brain differently and for me it's so logical yeah but it's the <laughs> same thing is what we need to do but yet Absolutely we're still struggling that. to get people to get that if, if something's not working you have to look at it in a different way and think how you can fix it and how you can live your life con not controlling it but live your life in a in a content and fulfilled way to the best of your ability but by doing something differently yeah yes yeah, so i do couldn't that agree with a broken more. arm why wouldn't we do that with our brain with our mind Exactly. It, it's, and, it, and I, when I, cause I was like, I need to do, I, I went through this. It was probably a bit obsessive again, but like reading all these books and trying to understand. Cause I did, again, I didn't know where to get the help, but again, but seed is so helpful, where you can get though. so much help. But again, when you reference loads of like resources and articles as well on there that people can read and educate themselves. And that's, please look at seed. <laughs> but we, but I, sure. like you say with the, why I don't get it because I know now myself going through that that it absolutely is the same thing as having a broken arm you, you yeah. it is as much not working correctly and it's as much as your leg not being able to stand because you've broken your leg it's it's like oh you something's happened here it's not functioning properly the same with like I always think with um t uh, medication and therapy it's like the medication's like the painkiller maybe and then yeah. the therapy is like the physio and it's like you do that for yeah. your body why is that such yeah. a weird thing that people still won't do for their brains it's it's a very um it's just taboo still isn't it yeah. there's still a lot of stigma around and I think it. I think we're getting somewhere though I don't know about you but I do feel like the narrative is starting to change yeah you know yeah. I, I can't imagine having this kind of conversation 20 years ago 10 years ago five years ago you know, and I think that's 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 amazing. Um, I'm very much a 
think I've learned over over the years to not get so frustrated. I, I get passionate, and and it and the anger fuels my my work and my drive. Mm. But we can do. I've realised now that we can do something about it by just giving our truth. Let let the, let that carry on. But if we start talking, that's when people will have to start listening. You know, and and I think that's that's so powerful you know like I, I said to you you know tomorrow I'm going on loose women and talking about eating disorders and you know for eating disorder awareness week we, I did sky news and you know that's changing that's different yeah you know and there's still a long way to go don't get me wrong but to say that that's now happening that a prime time show is like going right we need to discuss this I'm like yes we do Yes, yeah. don't matter what everyone else is doing. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, because that's where we start to have change, you know. Which you're doing so well. So <laughs> Gemma Alton, obviously, big Emma Tail star. You've, you're a very successful actor. Um, and we are so privileged to have you on this podcast. Um, but what you're doing, obviously, with your, you know, your status, you, you're getting that message across so well. Like, like you say, you're on Sky News loose women and all these places so hopefully don't if you don't mind we can encourage our listeners to maybe follow you and they can yeah yeah see all the work you're doing and I'm yeah, sure um you know obviously my my twitter and instagram um at Gemma Roten and then you know seed support obviously um seed on on social media is at seed support uk um but I'm sure you'll you know you'll, you'll signpost um oh, and definitely. you know like you say that the, the website is a, a vault of, of knowledge we're in the middle of um refreshing it all and, and making it a little bit simpler because there's a lot on there over 21 years you know I think there's like 91 articles and resource documents so we're, we're, we're trying to sort of make it a little bit more accessible because you know at the moment the way the world is like we want we want to sort of give people it's hard isn't it to sort of like troll through we want to make it really clear and concise. So we're just sort of trying to refine it so that people can just go, okay, I've made the brave step of looking, but I don't want to like lose two hours of my life like wading through. But you know, I'm I'm really proud of, of the the stuff that's on there and mm. and also the forward thinking of where we're going with seed and what we're looking at and what we're trying to develop in terms of the doing. Like so yeah, many yeah. people, you know, say, you know, oh, I want to make a difference. I want to do this. And then they forget what they're actually doing to do that. But, yeah. you know, I pride myself on the fact that we're, we're a group of doers, you know, and we're, we're thinking about how we can change and adapt to the way, I mean, God knows what the new normal is next, but ever evolving with what people need. And, and I think that's why it's so important that even those we've helped years gone by you know we always reach out to them and say you know is you okay and is there anything like you feel would be useful at the moment and that's where the r after the r has come from the recovery after recovery yeah you know because a lot of our seedlings because i can't stand the word in charity world that your beneficiaries your users and i'm like (laughs) no i don't like no so i call them our seedlings and i'm a seedling too you know and, and we all you know reach out and say what do you need and a lot of our seedlings have said recently that an hour after the hour would be amazing resource to to just check in with and and go 
okay, why am I struggling with this relationship? And, and I'm speaking from personal experience, like, God, I've picked some God awful <laughs> um, um, suitors, shall we say. But then I realized that, you know, I wasn't actively going out and picking them. My issue was about my need for love and my reward and punishment that I went through for 13 years. If you put weight on, you'll have this. If you lose it, you'll lose that. So, of course, in my adult life, I've just been like, you want that, you can have it. And and what do you want next? And what do you need? And yes, I'll be there. Yeah. And that's been detrimental to not just my physical um, and romantic relationships, but to business, to friendships, to not being able to say no. Like, and these are the things that people don't think about. So yeah, I went off on a tangent there, but what no. I mean is I think it's important yeah. that we keep looking at what the recovery is and, and how we tick as human beings because it's yeah. fascinating you know once you once you start going it's actually I love it I love, love learning about myself you know and I, I get things wrong constantly but I like to look at what I got wrong and how I can maybe try and do it better next time and I think as human beings that's all we can we can do really because what what nobody's perfect and I'm certainly not normal because what's normal anyway who wants to be blooming normal? I tell I you that. Be normal. No way. Yeah. They would not have had any of that talk. <laughs> any of these life experiences that you've got, but like, like all the richness and success. But like, basically, I was gonna, I, can't, I was gonna say, I can't agree more with the R and R as well. Like your seedlings have already said, I completely agree. That's such an amazing resource because, yeah, once you start the path to recovery, it isn't just a one straight upward path is it it's gonna be like yeah. up and down and I guess when you for me I guess I've noticed that when I've had something stressful happen I'm like oh I can see my little things because the safety thing is coming back going oh so yeah, maybe yeah. I should do this and I'll feel a bit better and it's like no that's my OCD that is yeah, not yeah. me that's like people might say that's the eating disorder that's not me like yeah. and referencing it's not you as well it's that's the eating disorder that's not me that's something separate to me um do you mind me asking I know we haven't got long left but like your path to recovery like what 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 that was if there's any if it could inspire maybe people listening what was helpful for you in in recovery if there's any tips or advice um I think sadly for me there were quite a lot of light bulb moments where I was like I want to get better but it didn't quite work <laughs> and you'll, you'll like recovery is the hardest thing it really is like there, mm. there are so many full hearts and I'm not saying that to, to deter anybody I'm saying that to be okay like it's a day by day thing and yeah. if one day you don't do so well that's fine because recovery is is a journey it really is and I think that's the biggest thing that I can I can sort of give to people is not to lose hope, like take it step by step and each day at a time and don't beat yourself up, you know. And eventually when I got to the point where the setbacks became less and less and less, that's when I started to gain the confidence to go, I know there's a setback that's going to come. Being accepting of that, but having the confidence and and bravery to sort of go bring it on yeah because I can do it you know and I think beating yourself up doesn't help anybody you know dissecting yourself and making yourself feel bad is is just it's a lot of wasted energy you know Uh, so I would say take it each day as it comes 
don't be afraid to fail because by failing you learn something new and you try something different um there is no failing in that when you look at it like that you know it's all it's all part of the, the route to your recovery but I think one of the biggest things that I've learned especially over the last year is your recovery is your discovery yeah no yeah. it's not it's not a oh let's sit down and eat a piece of cake and that's it I'm better like I've done it like let's get a picture yeah. that was never it for me one because I'm not particularly a sweet tooth person anyway but like that is not the definition of recovery your recovery is your discovery you own it and I think that's that's hopefully something that that people can take away and and go yeah this is mine yeah. because without you know it's going to be a button but not one size fits all you know it it, it, it just doesn't you know we're all individuals and I think one of the things that I live my life by is Dr Zeus um today you are you that is true within true there is no one alive that is you within you mm. so don't try and be anything other you know yeah absolutely uh, thank you I couldn't agree more because again I think I don't know if it's with all mental health but there's a lot of doubt with OCD and I remember not trusting myself with when I was on my path to recovery I was like oh but what should I get advice on this oh no you can and it's like and it took me a while to go Amy you know what's working for you like yeah. trust that and don't keep second guessing yourself but um yeah that is hard when you're in the crisis place but that yeah. can build over like you build it don't you I guess resilience and yeah uh just builds more and more over time um yeah. but I was gonna ask about <laughs> if there are people that are hesitant to get help who are listening but they do feel they're personally affected are there any specific services that you offer that they could just go to or if they've got a loved one that they're worried about is it yeah. like this absolutely the way the way we work is um Obviously, the first the first step is to reach out. Um, they can go through the website, and there's so much, there's so many different sections on there for carers, for sufferers, for information. Sometimes seeing something in black and white, like you were saying, is the rational help is helpful. So actually, there's a there's a whole portal there of, of information, and you don't even need to speak to anybody at Seed. But if you wanted to, you can. And you can reach out by by email or by the advice line. And then the way we do things is, is we get a sense of what that person needs. And then we give them options. So we've got an email buddy scheme. We've got a text buddy scheme. We've got our support groups um, online at the moment. We've got dance therapy online at the moment. And we just give them all of the things that we feel like might fit for them and then we give them time to go away and think right I'd, I'd like to start looking at the we've even just started a friendship a friendship buddy scheme as well um so people with lived experience can can speak and, and hold each other's hands albeit virtually as well so there are so many so many different different ways that that seed can help and I think not and it, my mum always says like when my mum emails people back she's like please don't feel overwhelmed but these are the things and but you know it's like everybody just take the time with it but yeah. that's you know there's so many different resources that we can provide and one thing that I'm fighting for at the moment is um 
trying to get funding for the charity to provide more one-to-one therapists because sadly during lockdown we one of the things that had to go because we couldn't afford it was the um one of our in-house therapists and that that really broke my heart because like not everybody can afford therapy and as we know the waiting lists are sadly very long and we haven't got time to wait for a lot of people um but one of the things that I'm fighting for this this year is to try and get a pot of funding in so that we can start doing the one-to-one again um and we will get there amazing we will get there I will people donate <laughs> yeah it's yes, a very important yes no I think that would be a massive I'm sure people who you know who have not been going out spending their money on pubs and restaurants well, have got some spare cash Please even Daphne, like you can set your Amazon to, you know, the smile, uh, Amazon yeah. smile, you know, and you can donate. There are so many easy ways that you won't even know you're doing it. Um, yeah, you know, like PayPal and, and Amazon smile, where you can select seed as the charity. Um, of course, there's our Virgin donation page on the website. And, you know, hopefully when the world starts to open up again, people can possibly get out there and, and fundraise for us, which is always amazing and it can be anything as simple as baking a cake and, and selling them or doing a scar dive like you know whatever <laughs> it is um but honestly every single penny helps um but more than that you know just knowing that we're here as a charity is, is the most important yeah yeah for people just who yeah who do need to just like you say not one size fits all and you've got all those amazing resources so people can find a fit for them yeah. whatever that and will nobody's be. ever turned away ever amazing like, amazing um you know we uh, every single person that comes to us is is in need and important and uh and, and needs help um so yeah yeah thank but, you uh, so much thank you so much Gemma honestly and is there anything you want to say before we finish the recording is there anything I haven't asked or no no not at all just you know um it's been a, a lonely a lonely world out there for many people at the moment but i just hope that this conversation i'm sure the many more that you've had makes people realize that they they're not alone and we're all in it together um you know and i think that's that's so important um it's been a lot of rubbish stuff that's happened over covid but there's been a lot of amazing stuff as well and that's the power of positive partnerships and people being there you know in a world where we haven't been able to hold each other I don't know about you but I felt like people have been holding on so tight it's amazing thank you so much for listening if you are struggling at the moment or do feel impacted by any of the issues discussed please do see support resources and links on the wait stories page on herproductions.co.uk see you next time